Welcome back, everybody, to the Steel City Blitz Steelers podcast presented by 26shirts.com slash Pittsburgh. And uh, as all of you by now know, the Pittsburgh Steelers 2019 season is officially over. Um, it was one hell of a roller coaster. Um, I think at one point, if you would have asked people if they were going to get better than four and 12, considering everything that had gone on early in the season, you probably wouldn't have thought so. And then we were sitting there at eight and five, staring the postseason in the face and lost three straight. Um, but tonight will be just a brief review of, uh, of course the, the loss in Baltimore, which I, I know many of you have, have heard, but you'll get a little bit of our different perspective on it. Um, and then also start discussing some of the off season stuff, uh, a little bit of explanation about the salary cap and just where the Steelers are and why it's hard, really hard to kind of nail it down right now. And especially with CBA stuff coming up over the next, uh, year, uh, or so. Um, joining me tonight are Ian and Ben, and uh, Ian, of course, coming from the Steel City. Ian, how are you this fine Wednesday evening? Doing great. Happy to be back. Season's Ian. over, unfortunately, but uh, it's good good to be back on the podcast and looking forward to a fun off season. We're going to have a lot to discuss, even though we don't have a first-round pick in the draft. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, somebody asked me today in the store, and you know, well, what, what are you guys going to do? Are you guys going to draft a quarterback? And I'm like, man, we have a second round pick, no first, no third. We ain't drafting a quarterback uh, at all. Um, but you know, again, I, I never say never because you just never know. But um, and also with us tonight is Mr. Ben Anderson. And uh, Ben, uh, are you chomping on some pretzels again tonight? I was. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I uh, all things considered, I'd, yeah. I'd really still rather have Minka than that first round pink. I oh, I agree. I have no regrets, no nope. criticisms, no anger, no resentment, no nothing. And if you do, you do not understand the impact that players make on the field. And he, there's no way the Steelers would have gotten that kind of an impact no. from a first rounder this year at number eighteen that they got out of an all pro free safety that basically solidified their entire defensive backfield. Absolutely. And you nailed it when you said all pro, he is an all pro uh, along with uh, Watt and and Cam Hayward Um, and all pro safeties don't grow on trees. Um, So, you know, yeah, that trade was more than worth it. I'm glad to give that first rounder up because as you said, you are not going to find a rookie that can come in and give you that kind of production. Um, Let's go back to uh, uh, week 17. The Steelers went into that game against Baltimore knowing they had to win and then, of course, had to have the Tennessee Titans lose. And, and congratulations to the Titans, by the way, for, uh, you know, at least for this year, uh, helping us avoid Tom Brady and the Patriots and yet another Super Bowl. So thank you, Tennessee. But um, what was it, Ian, I'll start with you. What was it about that that loss to Baltimore that, that really kind of bothered you? Because I, I, I know it did me. Uh, I mean, other than like everything. Um, well, yeah, fair, you know, fair I answer. Mean, the, the, the offense was listless other than one drive. The defense, I mean, you knew they were going to run the ball. They were starting a backup quarterback and essentially, you know, took all their good players out of the game. And the weather was disgustingly awful. There was no yeah. – 
you know, it was windy, it was rainy, it was no kind of weather to throw the ball, and you knew they were going to run, and we still let them run all over us. Um, so, I mean, some of that's the players on the field, some of that's the game planning, some of that's, you know, what adjustments you mm-hmm. make in-game that, um, you know, we just, we, we even without Lamar Jackson in the game, we still couldn't stop their offense, and, you know, regardless of how good or bad duck played i mean we still only put up 10 points offensively which made three straight games in a row that we put up 10 points and that's not a winning formula in the nfl um but we we you know just i I think the thing that that sticks with you uh is just getting getting run over you know that was something that the steelers team hadn't done really in a long time even when their pass defense was terrible their run defense was still decent Mm -hmm. um and just seeing a team gash you like that and especially it being the ravens like um you know there were there was you know years where the ravens went five and eleven or six and ten but they still you know showed out for games against the steelers and like there was just the, the team just didn't seem to have that spark for whatever reason there was no emotion really that they were showing and yeah um in the game which for a game where you still have a chance mm-hmm. to make the playoffs was, was kind of unfortunate it, to see it, yeah it was almost as if they they had already heard that tennessee had beaten houston even though the two games were going on simultaneously you know that well, that's that's what the but, look had to me but ben i, I know you wanted to address a couple yeah of there's there's a whole lot more oh yeah that in my opinion and basically what it comes down to in my opinion again is focus lack of focus by the players it was like they had decided it was over and mm-hmm. it, it didn't matter. I mean, the, they there was a long shot that they were going to get in. But I think as soon as they heard that Hopkins and Deshaun Watson weren't playing, they were like, OK, well, we're not going mm-hmm. to the playoffs. So we'll just mail this one in. But, yeah, it's, it's embarrassing. I guess the rival, the Ravens only averaged four and a half yards of play in that game. It's incredible. I don't know if anybody realizes that. That's not a real high figure. Four and a half yards of play in today's NFL is nothing. No, but but they ran sixty eight plays and they held the ball for thirty nine minutes. The defense <laughs> could not get off the field. The offense, no focus there, couldn't do a damn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offensive line again looked terrible. Uh, I cannot stand BJ Finney at guard. Tell him he's never playing there again. Move him to excuse me at center. At center, yeah, yeah. I cannot stand him at center. Put him at guard. Leave him there forever. Tell him he's never playing center and draft another one. It was terrible. It was awful. The lack of focus, the lack of continuity, all three phases. It was terrible. And I, you know, blame it on whoever you want, but I blame that on team leadership. I mean, Bud said that the Ravens kept flashing the score of the Texans mm-hmm. and Titans mm-hmm. game up on on their uh, jumbotron to try and distract the Steelers. Whatever, man. You know, yeah, yeah. Great. They're they're trying to distract you. Guess what? It worked. You guys came out listless. You played like crap, and now you're trying to make excuses about that. Come on, man. That's ridiculous. And my understanding, right after, well, not right after the game, a couple days later. Mm-hmm. What I was told was that Tomlin, after the game, said, told he addressed the team, yeah, and told them that. In no uncertain terms, he was not happy with the lack of focus in that game. Right. And to make sure that before they cleaned out lockers, they said goodbye and shook hands with everybody because the team was not going to look the same next year. Now, Tomlin says a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. He says Mm -hmm. whatever he said, whatever he feels like he needs to say to motivate the team. And, you know, 
that what he said may be more extreme than what actually takes place. But he was not happy. And if you watched the, his post-game press conference, not the one on Tuesday, but the one right after the game, right after it the was game. obvious yep. he was pissed. And I didn't realize how pissed off he was. But it, it sounds as though he just thought it was pathetic. And, yeah, I got to agree with him. It was humiliating. It was, <laughs> it was not yeah. fun to watch. Well, he and he doesn't normally make those types of comments. Um, you know, if he does, it's in a more guarded environment. But um, you're you're absolutely right. The fact that he made those those types of comments was was kind of alarming, and it was very uh, telling of the way he felt about the performance. And you know, it, it's just it's funny to me because you you bump into people and it's like, oh, you guys should win. You know, they're not playing any of their stars, and it's like that's not how it works with this rivalry. Um, Baltimore is still going to come ready to play. Uh, and I expect that we come ready to play. And, and, you know, as both of you kind of alluded to, that's what was disappointing. Well, that, yeah, that's what was disappointing. I can handle losing, uh, losing is part of life, but, but to get run over to the tune of 200 plus yards rushing. Um, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing. The first game, the defense came out and they sacked Lamar Jackson five times and forced him into three picks. They absolutely played lights out the first game. Unfortunately, the offense didn't, so Mm -hmm. the Steelers still lost. This time, it was just like they were just going through the motions, man. I don't know if you guys saw what I saw, but especially when I rewatched the game after the fact and then went through the film, I was like, (sighs) what are you guys? There's no intensity, nothing. It's just like you're you're just there to collect a check today. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly the way I felt about watching it, and um, uh, you know, it, it was just it was such a, a bitter ending because I, yeah, you know, so many of us did not anticipate even having that opportunity way back when we were one and four. Ben's out for the year, you know. I, I mean, and, and and we did. We had the chance. We 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 had that opportunity to to win a couple games at the end and get a little help and get in the playoffs. And I had no expectation that if we got in the playoffs, we'd be able to do anything. But I think it would have been a tremendous accomplishment for this team. And um, it, it was. It was just a real sour, sour way uh, to end it. But um, when, when back when when they were one and three, I think we had a discussion and we wondered how how far they could go. And we said yeah. that if they got to eight and eight, it would be a big accomplishment. I, I'm going to backtrack on that. And basically, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm going to straight up tell you when they were eight and five, I was surprised, but I was happy. Sure, I knew that they they had two winnable games in front of them, and they all they had to do was win two of the three, and they get into the playoffs, and that would be an accomplishment. At this point, I'm giving the season on a whole a C plus. I don't know about you guys. Well, it fits the 500 record. You know, a, a C plus. I, Ian, what would what would you grade them as? Yeah, I remember that podcast vividly. I was on it. I remember <laughs> saying that. I, I think my exact statement was, "I'll be happy if they make it to seven and nine because losing ten games sucks." And I, yeah. we've been, we've all been through that with them losing ten plus games, and, mm-hmm. and it sucks. Um, so I, I'm, you know, looking back on it, I'm ecstatic on the whole. They got to eight games, but the way that the way the season ended with, you know, having that chance and dropping three games. I mean, could we have gone into New England and done what Tennessee did? No, we did not have the same running game that that they did. You know, I mean, and and a lot of that game too was, you know, Derek Henry just running guys over. Um, You know, (laughs) New England had some, some good defensive fills on run plays 
and Henry just ran guys the heck over and got more yeah. yards. Um, and I mean, Tennessee had a great game plan defensively. Um, they were, you know, they were well coached by Vrabel. He did a great job against Belichick. Um, you know, even pulling some Belichick isms against him, like running the clock on the punt yeah. with five minutes. Oh, left. that was beautiful. and awesome. Um, but I mean, no, there's there's no way we could have gone in there and done that. We we weren't going anywhere in the playoffs anyway. Um, but you know, it's, yeah. it's still disappointing. Cause you always, you always want to get to the dance. You want to have a chance. Um, yep. so it's, it's disappointing. We weren't able to make it. Um, but I, I think on the whole, I agree with Ben, you know, the, the offense completely, I mean, not only backtracked, but you know, there was, there was points in the season, both with, with Rudolph and with duck, even when he took over, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that the, the Rams game, the, um, you know, the, the second Browns game, the Cardinals game, it really looked like they were, you know, the, these guys were starting to learn and starting to put things together, both Rudolph and Doc and yeah, the defense were yeah. playing excellent. And then um, I, I don't really know what happened offensively. They kind of, they went into a shell. They out thought themselves. They, you know, they really, I mean, the injuries to the running backs hurt a lot too. They really didn't have a consistent oh, yeah. running game at all. Um, and, you know, they, they couldn't run the ball against the Bills or the Jets or or actually the Ravens. Benny Snell had a pretty good game. He averaged almost five yards or over five yards a carry. Yeah, I think yeah. like 90, carry. Yep. 90 yards on 18 carries or something like that. So, um, yeah, but still, you know, it and when you can't run the ball and your quarterback can't throw the ball, it's it's not a good combination. And no. it leads you to putting up, you know, 10 points in three straight games. Um, and And there was a quote I remember, I think it was after the Buffalo game. And I think it was Joe Hayden that said it, that said, you know, 17 points is always kind of our goal that we want to, you know, we want to mm-hmm. hold the other team to 17 or less. And, you know, we feel like that's a, that's a chance to play winning football. And that's kind of what's always been preached to them. And, and I mean, they held the Bills to 17 and the Jets to 16. And at that point, you know, in, in the National yeah. Football League, you have a chance to win those games, but the offense didn't come through. The offense scored one touchdown in each of the last three weeks. Yeah. Right. And, well, you know, in each of the, like the last seven of the last eight games, they scored one touchdown. Yeah. Which is, is just a, a huge credit to the defense. Of course, they had the special team score from, from Deontay Johnson. Right. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is. The the season is uh uh is over for the Steelers and um you know, again, I know a lot of fans were expecting uh significant changes and everything else and, and the Steelers just don't operate that way, the way that you see other teams making one move after another. I still expect you're gonna see a few things happen. Um but but those haven't come down the pike just yet, and and I suspect they will. We haven't really heard the season-ending comments from Art Rooney too. Usually, he makes some statements, uh, as does Kevin Colbert. So we'll we'll see. But um, the the one thing I I do want to mention is uh, as we proceed into the off season is uh, let you guys because you you understand it way better than I do. Um, the the salary cap stuff. Uh, as far as the Steelers and, and, you know, we had a good chuckle here before we, we turned on the recording um, that, that, yeah, the salary cap is supposed to go up 11 or $12 million, but that doesn't mean you just add 11 or $12 million to your salary cap. So Ben, where exactly are the Steelers in regards to the cap right now? And, and, you know, what are those ramifications as we head into this, this whole CBA negotiation stuff too? Well, and I know it's not an easy thing to discuss. Yeah, it's a complicated question, okay, because right now the cap is projected to come in at $200 million. But the cap has missed those projections and come up short mm-hmm. the last 
couple, three years. So I'm not counting on that being the case. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now they have, <clears throat> uh, their top 51, they have $195 million, 921, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, so they basically have about $4 million in space. Okay. But they have another 3 million. They can roll over from this year to next. So call that, I don't know, 7 million. Sure. But then they've got, they've got their own, and we should get into more detail about this later, but they've got their own restricted free agents. They've got a tender and those tenders and a couple of those guys are going to run like $3 million. So mm-hmm. that's 6 million right there for Mike Hilton and Matt Filer, for example, that's going to get eaten into that seven. So basically right now, what I'm getting at mm-hmm. short, long story short is their liabilities exceed their available cap space. Now, today, they have, they have, in my opinion, what amounts to zero effective cap space going into the off season. Now mm-hmm. there are some guys that can cut. Yep. Um, but we don't know which guys they're going to cut. And it, that becomes a more complicated question because if they don't keep budget pre, they may have to keep Anthony Ciccolo. Um, on top of that, we don't know where the cap is actually going to fall. Let's say it comes in on 198 million as opposed to 200 million. Well, not only do you not get to add that $11 million that's gone up, you have to deduct another two from what you were, you were expecting. So now you actually have five and you still have more liabilities than that. Yep. So it's a mess. Oh, definitely. Okay. It's a, it's a mess. And on top of that, there is a rule in the last year of the CBA that has to do with restructures of contracts, contracts in general, Mm -hmm. because they don't want people kick people, excuse me, teams kicking too much space out into the uncapped wilderness uh, beyond the CBA. Right. So they're not going to let them push too much of that cash out there. Typically, the way that that contracts are structured is you get a massive signing bonus and you get like Mm -hmm. a minimum salary year one to keep that cap hit low. Yep. Well, there's a 30 percent rule now, which basically says you have to you cannot make the year one salary on any new or restructured deal. Any less than 70% of the year two salary. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you already have an existing contract and you've got, and I should, I should point out, it's not just salary, it's salary and bonuses. So if you have a roster bonus, workout bonuses, all of that, all that, it all gets rolled into that. It's it's Mm -hmm. total compensation for that year. So let's just say Ben Roethlisberger. That's a good example right there. Okay. Okay. Let's go over his real quickly because it should just take a second. Ben makes in 2020, he will make a total of $21 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you would think that he'd be a good candidate for a restructure. And in a normal year, he would be. You you Mm -hmm. tack on a couple of fake years to the end of his deal. Right. And you just, you turn all that into a signing bonus, get him down to like a million dollars and boom, you created a bunch of space. But you can't because his total compensation in year 2021 is 16 and a half. So you could theoretically restructure Ben a little bit, but looking at it, you're going to make, you're going to be able to carve out tops 
two, three million dollars in space on right. bends. When in a normal year, you'd probably be able to carve out like eight or nine. And that's the challenge the Steelers are going to be up against this year when they're restructuring contracts. And most of them are, are more prohibitive than that. You just can't carve out that much space because it's the last year of a CBA. And the thing that they're trying to do here, the reason they wrote it in was it's to, it's to motivate not only the NFL to get to the table and negotiate the CBA, but also the players union. Definitely. Because when there's less, there's less cash flowing around like that, there's less to be, spent on players and there are smaller contracts or smaller guarantees as right. a result. Okay. And, and that's, less, that's less what it's all about for the players too. Yeah. It's, it's less yeah. money for the players, less guaranteed money for the players. And, and I believe they got another memo yesterday or, or within the last few days, just reminding them, you better be saving up your money in case of a work stoppage. They've um, been reminding them for five years and hopefully they, they, they have. And I, hopefully I saw no one paid attention and, and they're going to well, need cash. But, well, I, yeah, former former Raider and, and Steeler Nolan Harrison, I, I saw had tweeted, you know, he, he got a hold of a copy of it and, uh, and and tweeted it out there. And 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 it is it's a real thing for those guys. And, and it, most of them probably don't pay much attention to it. And uh, they, they that's where the owners hope that they're not so that they, they need the cash. But, um, you know, again, we could go into this forever and ever and ever. But, you know, Ian, uh, who, who I know Ben mentioned. Chicolo, but but who are some other potential guys that could be cut that would result in potential cap savings here for the Steelers? Yeah, so um, you know, like Ben said, the the, the restructures are kind of tough right now. Yeah, um, and and really, you know, the, the Steelers typically when they they sign free agents do kind of backload the contract a little bit mm-hmm. as much mm-hmm. as they can. So, you know, guys like a, a Mark Barron would save about $5 million, a Steven Nelson, which you're absolutely not going to cut, but no. would save $5 million potentially or almost 6 million actually, but they're not going to cut Nelson. Um, but just so, you know, people and listeners are aware, Nelson played absolutely fantastic this year, but yep. he comes with about a, $11 million cap hit next year, which is what you pay a number one cornerback. And Joe Hayden's also going to have about $12 million cap hit next exactly. year. So we're, we have, you know, there was a lot of talk this year about how we had two of the, the, you know, the best cornerback tandem in the league, which is true. And they're getting paid like it too. Um, you know, we're not saving yeah. any money there. They're getting paid what they deserve for the, for as well as they're playing. Um, but Mark Barron, there's been a lot of talk about Vance McDonald. They could save about five and a half million there, but that also, you know, really short strings them and leaves them without a tight end because uh, Nick Vanette, who they traded a fifth round pick for, is going to be a free agent. So that leaves you just with Zach Gentry, essentially nothing, <laughs> um, as your only tight end on the roster. Um, so it, it, I mean, Vance has a relatively reasonable cap hit at $7 million for, for what number one tight ends make. Mm-hmm. The unfortunate thing with him is just that, you know, he can't be healthy and can't stay on the field. But, I mean, given what Jesse James got for a number two tight end contract last year, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're you're not going to get a tight end on the free agent market for a better deal than what we got, we have Vance for right now. So no. even though there's some savings there, I don't see that one happening. Um, Anthony Ciccolo is another $5 million potential savings. Ramon Foster is a $4 million potential savings, but, um, but Finney's going to be a free agent too. So they're, you know, if they, if they cut Foster, which is possible, um, you know, they still have to kind of take that money and use it to sign Finney probably, or sign another guard on the free agent market, which, you know, top end guards aren't cheap either. So, um, and like you said, we don't have first round pick. 
we own a third round pick. We'll have our second round pick. And then, you know, all projections point to us getting a, a third round compensatory pick for Le'Veon Bell leaving. But right. still, you know, that's that's what, two two picks possibly in the top 100. You know, our first pick will probably be around number 50 overall. Um, so, you know, one one pick in the top 50 and maybe two picks in the top 100. There's not a lot of, of, of draft capital there either. Um, so they're, they're really going to have to go out and kind of look for guys sort of maybe willing to take one year prove it veteran minimum type deals just because of how tight they are up against the cap this year. Um, and Ben pointed out with, with Bud Dupree's situation and how that impacts Chicolo, the outside linebackers. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces in place here. It's a couple yeah. smaller, smaller number guys, you know, Jordan Berry could save us almost $2 million. He absolutely has to go. Um, Daniel <laughs> could save us <laughs> so yeah, I don't think he's um, getting cut, man. I really don't. You really? You think they're going to keep uh, JB? I, I do. I wish they'd cut him. I I, 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 I was wish with they you. would cut him. I was with but... you until they brought in a guy this week already to to work out. That, that yeah, I'm I starting. get it. But you know, you know what happens, man. Yeah. Uh, and I hate to get off on a tangent here, and I agree. Yeah. He's yeah. not worth one point eight million dollars. I would cut him if it was my decision. But what happens is they bring a guy in and have him compete with Barry yep. when the weather's good. Okay. Yeah. And it seems like when he has his gaffes, it's in December and January, and you know yeah. we need to really count on a punter. That's when he screws up. And I just think when he's you know when he's punting against a guy in August in in Latrobe, he's money. You know, sure. and the guy the guy stands no chance. <laughs> no. And on top of that, he's a reliable holder. So, and that is often forgotten in all of that. Yeah. You know. So it's just, I, I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't have much hope. I'm sure they'll bring somebody in again. Yeah. Oh yeah. To appease all of us and Steelers nation will, you know, they'll hope and pray that Barry gets cut and he won't. And then they'll be all be pissed. And then when he, <laughs> when he shanks a punt in a pivotal game at home, when it's 28 degrees out, you know, we'll have this yeah. conversation again. Not only it, shanking a punt, but fumbling a snap and yeah, misreading the uh, cues, the, yeah, for, the, the uh, fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that was too. a problem. What a, well, uh, I mean, I, I just want to cover one thing. I want to expand upon the point that that uh, Ian was making about Vance McDonald. I agree with him. I yeah. don't see McDonald getting cut, and and here's why. Right now, McDonald is the 21st highest paid starting tight end mm-hmm. in the NFL. That number, or that ranking rather, is going to go down the first couple of weeks of of free agency. It just always does. They could threaten him by telling him that they, you know, they're going to cut him if he doesn't take a pay cut, for example. Right. But he's going to have a pretty... F- his agent rather is going to, it's going to have a pretty good sense of confidence that if he goes out on the open market, he is going to make what he's making now or a little more because he's talented. He just can't stay healthy. That's the issue with him. Um, They're going to point to the fact that he played with practice squad quarterback for half the season Mm -hmm. and another young quarterback who had his head up his ass and couldn't see open receivers. <laughs> uh, and I'm speaking to Mason Rudolph right now. Yep. Yep. Um, so, I mean, they're going to point all that out. They're going to go, look, the guy was in a position to make a difference. They just didn't give him the damn ball. 
You know that. And, you know, he'll make five or six million dollars a year someplace else. So the Steelers mm-hmm. don't really have a lot of leverage there. No, I in agree. order to, to, to try and get him to take a pay cut, either going to be an outright cut or not. And they have to. They have an option on his contract this year. And we should talk about that real quickly, because basically that is a mechanism the Steelers do not use at all. The last two years of McDonald's contract are option mm-hmm. years. And they are in there so that the team can effectively say, yeah, we're going to let you go become a free agent so that they can get a comp pick next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which w- would which... probably amount to a sixth or seventh round pick next season. Not this year, but next right. season. Okay. Um, and that, that came over with him from San Francisco. From San Francisco. Yeah. That's correct. They just, when they traded for him, they took on the contract. That's the way it works. Um, he, they have to affirmatively exercise the option or decline it before the first day of the league year. If they exercise his option, it guarantees him no money, none. But mm-hmm. the way they do business is such that if they exercise that option, they're not going to cut him, at least not before camp. Right. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. So – I mean, basically, when you see that happen, and this is the reason I'm explaining all this, when you see that happen one way or the other, if if they exercise it, he's not taking a pay cut, they're not cutting him. It isn't mm-hmm. going to happen. If something goes goes wrong in camp or he doesn't perform, they can cut him and know nothing, which is fine. Uh, and that's probably what I honestly expect to happen, is that they will exercise his option, he'll perform in camp, and he'll be on the team again next year because they really don't have anything back there. No. What I'd like to see happen is Nick Vanette get re-signed, but I don't know. You know, uh, he's not going to be that cheap. As you pointed out, what you know, what Jesse James got as a number two tight end last year. Yeah. I think Vanette's as capable as James, maybe more. Right. He just didn't get the ball this year, and I I see him getting some money on the open market and maybe, you know, potentially being a one and done guy, basically a fifth round draft pick that Steelers burned last year mm-hmm. to solidify the position and, and getting very little out of it. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this off season is really going to be fluid um, because there are so many of these, these, and I don't want to call them little, but you know, things like that where decisions have to be made and, and we're, you know, <laughs> you, you hate to call a million here, a million there little, but, uh, in some cases it is compared to what other guys well, are going to be getting, you know, a million dollars. Um, think can, about it this can way. Can we talk about something for a second? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so one, one quick point, a yeah, million dollars is one half of 1% of the salary cap. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm, Ian, mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, on Ben's point, actually, before I make my other point, uh, a million, Ben's right on what a million dollars is, but also on a veteran minimum contract that only a certain percentage of it counts against the cap, you could potentially sign two veterans or, you know, two rookies or yes. one and a half rookies for that $1 million. So yes. that's potentially multiple players. You could add to yeah. the roster for that number. Okay. My other point though, the Ben brought up the fifth round pick we traded for Nick Vanette was essentially the fifth round pick we got from Jacksonville in the Josh Jobs trade. Dobbs. Yes. Right. And do you think the season would have gone any different if oh, we had boy. not made those moves? If we hadn't traded Dobbs but also not acquired Vanette. 
because I mean Vance missed some time, so Vanette saw some playing time. He made some catches, but I mean we could we I mean, could speculate about that all day I, long. I I do not think Dobbs is a good quarterback. Um, Dobbs couldn't beat beat out Gardner Minshew for playing time in Jacksonville, and he wasn't all that good. He couldn't he couldn't surpass Nick Foles when he when when Nick Foles basically got into the doghouse there. He couldn't surpass him either. He's been the number three basically most of the year. Um, yeah, he didn't take a snap in Jacksonville. Not yeah, one. no. I mean, it, it, the Steelers tried to re-sign Landry Jones, okay, true, when Ben true. went down. But Jones had already signed with the XFL. <laughs> That's right. It, you know, Dobbs to me is the classic case of a guy that he's such a good young man that, that that fans fall in love with that aspect of it and forget that you actually have to evaluate a guy based on what he can do on the field. And, you know, they, they, they saw him um, – you know, uh, uh, run, scramble a little bit, you know, make some first downs with his feet. They see him throw a strike, at, you know, for a first down, and then they fall in love with him. But they forget that he's basically a one-read-and-go quarterback. He doesn't get through his progressions well. He doesn't really throw a great ball. You know, again, not knocking him as a person. I'm knocking him as a player, and that's why he was traded. So, no, Ian, to your question, I don't think it would have made uh, any difference uh, whether he was starting. I, I I don't personally. I I don't think it probably would have made a great deal of difference. Maybe a win, maybe an extra loss. I I honestly don't have any right. confidence that it would have dramatically enhanced the season. Um, yeah, no, I, that's I, a fair you know, way to say it. I didn't see a distinct difference between him and Duck really no. in the preseason. So I, I, I. I agree with your points, but I thought yeah. it was worth discussing. Just oh, it is. Brought up the fifth round yeah. pick. Oh, okay, let me. As long as we're talking about this. Since we taught, we covered this last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, we decided. I decided. I don't know if you guys did or not. <laughs> we discussed it. I thought you guys agreed with me that last season, 2018, yeah. that if they had had Landry Jones on the roster as the backup and he had played in Oakland that day, in Oakland, as opposed to Josh Dobbs, that they would have gone to the playoffs last season because Dobbs absolutely stunk it up in Oakland. He was terrible he was was horrible and i i you know landry's nothing to write home about never has been but he's he at least protected the ball better than that you know what i mean yeah no i I agree with you 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 know i i think sometimes and and i hate to base it on one play but but you guys remember the baltimore game last year in baltimore (laughs) yeah he threw one pass it was awesome on like a third and 17 it was a brilliant strike uh, that we were buried deep in our own territory he comes in he throws a, a beautiful pass first down that was a huge play in that game and you you just you, you think sometimes that fans see that one play and they just they become enamored with it um and and well he's capable he can do it he can do it well look he made a great play um, but that doesn't necessarily take away from a lot of the deficiencies of his game either, which we saw in the Oakland game in 2018 that, that Ben, that you're talking about. I, yes. I fully agree with you. I think if Landry Jones is the quarterback that day, I'm not guaranteeing they win, but they got a oh, damn well, was, damn better it, it, shot of it. Yeah. I mean, they were one play away from winning that game anyway. And, yeah. and Dobbs was awful. He was horrible, terrible. No, in fact, I was. I was talking, I was subtweeting someone else about how bad Dobbs is playing. 
Dobbs apparently ran a search for his name on Twitter and blocked me <laughs> because, because I tore his performance to shreds. He was awful. To your oh, point yeah. before about fans looking at a player and becoming enamored with him, I'm going to make a point here that might piss some people off, and I'm sorry. Eh, but, well, what else is new? But what fans do is they decide what they want to believe, and then they look for a reason to believe it. Yes. As opposed, they, to, yep. as opposed to looking at all the available information and seeing what happened. And if I could just get more people to understand that, <laughs> my life would be a lot less frustrating. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, you know, as, as we get ready to, to start winding things down here, uh, I, I, I do want to ask you, uh, Ian, I'll start with you. Um, where are you, uh, let, let's say, on a scale of, of uh, oh, you know, percentages? 100% it happens, zero it doesn't. Uh, Bud Dupree is in black and gold next year. Where are you on that? Mm, 25%. I mean, I, I think they want to resign him. Uh, but, you know, I just think that given their cap space and what they're capable of doing from a, a market value standpoint is going to be really, really tough. Um, yeah. The one thing they do have going for them, I will say, is that there's going to be a lot of talented pass rushers on mm -hmm. the market this year. Um, Shaq Barrett, who is a guy we talked about a lot, who is just languishing in Denver for a while, um, on their depth chart, signed a one-year, $4 million prove-it deal with Tampa Bay and led the league with 19 and a half sacks this year. He's yeah. going to be a free agent. Um, there's some other guys that are going to be free agents too. Um, so there's, there's a lot of talented pass rushers out there. Um, so, you know, maybe Dupree doesn't get that sort of, I'll say, you know, market setting deal. You know, he might not be the top guy available on the right. market. Um, just kind of given, you know, his age, his past production, all that stuff. But um, he's still going to be able to command quite a quite a hefty salary as well. Um, you know, Dante Fowler with the Rams, basically same story as Dupree, right? Drafted the same year. Um, had his breakout year this year, first time he broke 10 sacks. Um, Mario Addison with the Panthers also had a breakout year this year. Uh, you know, Shaq Barrett, Dupree. So there's there's some some good pass rushers that are going to be out there available for people to, to take a run at. Um, and it's, you know, going to depend on, you know, there's a lot of teams out there with a lot more cap space than the Steelers and yeah. how much they're willing to spend and how many of them need pass rushers. We saw Green Bay go out and sign two pass rushers this year, both of the Smiths, uh, Zadarius yep. and Preston, and it really transformed their defense a lot. And that defense has been carrying that team. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a shell of his former Agree. self. So, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely going to be some competition on the market for pass rushers this year but if you're a team that needs them there's plenty out there too yeah ben uh same question where are you on your confidence level with bud uh being being a stealer next year uh, less than 10 percent if oh boy, uh, even less. it's okay. money it's it's about money man if yeah. they if they franchise bud which they will have to do if they want to keep him um basically they can scrimp and restructure and cut guys and make enough space to franchise Bud, and then they can't do anything else. You can right. you can let Matt Filer walk, you can let Finney walk, you can let Hilton walk. Uh, you can't do anything. You literally cannot do a damn thing else if you do that. So I don't see it. 
I I don't unless they don't can either. get Bud to accept some kind of deal in advance of free agency, then he's gone. And yeah, that's where I'm at too. If I'm if I'm Bud, if I'm Bud's agent, it's it would basically be professional malpractice <laughs> for his agent to accept anything less than about sixteen million dollars a year because he's only going to get one shot at this. One. Yeah. And I mean, seriously, Bud's never going to be in this position again in his That's true. He's, he's 27. This is his yeah. prime. This is his he's, one shot. He is done. So his agent can either get him the big contract now or never at all. So Yeah, that's a great I, point. I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I mean, if the Steelers try and negotiate something and, and Bud decides to take a little hometown discount and maybe take $15 million a year for five years, that's five years, $75 million. You know, here's the other side of it, though. Look, think about this. They're going to yeah. pay Bud $15 million a year, right? Right. Not Go this ahead, year, yeah. but next next year is when T.J. Watt is going to get his big contract. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys are aware of what those defenders are making now. <laughs> it's a lot of money. defensive player of the year type caliber guys are making 23 22, 23, 24 million dollars a year. So basically, let's just say he's going to make 23. Let's put the difference. We'll put it in the middle. 23 for TJ and another 15 or 16 for Bud. That's almost 40 million dollars for two guys. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't see it. I think that's he's just going to look at it from that standpoint. He's going to go, you know what? I just can't. We just can't do it. We just can't tie up that much cash with two guys. Mm-hmm. No, I'm I'm right there with you. That's that's kind of why I feel he's going to be gone too. I put it as uh, part of my uh, uh, predictions article. But uh, um, guys, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and wrap things up, and and uh, we'll continue on with uh, more salary cap stuff and and free agent stuff, and who stays and who goes, and obviously. The draft prep is underway, and it's going to be a bit strange not having the uh, uh, first-round pick. But, um, but again, I think we all agree that that Minka Fitzpatrick uh, was more worth than it. worth yeah, any rookie, more than worth any rookie that would have come in. So, um, I want to make sure we thank Twenty Six Shirts dot com slash Pittsburgh. They got a brand new shirt out right now, uh, celebrating the Buckos, if you will, with uh, uh, the parrot um on the shirt and again the shirts are great quality very comfortable and uh very cool design so if you're a pirates fan go ahead and grab that and do something great at the same time eight bucks from every shirt sold goes to a very worthy cause in the pittsburgh area so uh this is steel dad and for ian and ben i am signing off on the steel city blitz steelers podcast and hey go steelers ravens suck but they're probably gonna win anyway (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.